Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome. This is episode 20 of the Kennedy Mile Report, brought to you by our great sponsor, Bill for Time. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Tom, I believe this will come out as our first show of 2010, so we want to wish everyone a happy new year. Yes, we do. And we're picking up from our last episode, aren't we, and taking a look into our crystal ball at uh, Legal Technology Future. That's correct. In our last episode, we took a look back at the biggest legal technology trends of 2009. In uh, this part two, we'll look ahead to 2010 and identify some of the big ideas in legal technology that you should be paying attention to. In our second segment, we'll do something that I personally am not comfortable with, and that's making some predictions about a whole bunch of things in technology and legal technology in particular. And as usual, we will end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our main topic, 2010. A whole new year is upon us with new legal technology frontiers to be conquered. Let's get right into it, Dennis. Last time, in our last podcast, we talked about how the economic issues and the economy was a something that, that hampered the adoption of uh, legal technology. Do you think that the supposed recovery of the economy is going to turn things around for the legal technology industry? Well, I, I think that I call 2009 the year of hunkering down, and I, I just think 2010 is a year of uncertainty. Uh, I just don't know that anybody knows what to expect, recovery, no recovery. So I, I think it's going to be a year of, of where you want to be light on your feet and be, you know, approach technology in a thoughtful way, uh, but a diversified way um, that takes into account what's likely to have, what's likely to happen, where I think you want to be creative and cautious at the same time. Well, I, I I agree to a certain extent. I I think that budgets will be up this year. I think there will be more spending on legal technology, but I think that lots of law firms learned from last year uh, what to do and, and how to be cautious about adopting it. I think that they will take those lessons that they learned um, in the past year and 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 be more thoughtful this year about their purchases. I've I've been reading lots of stories that eDiscovery in particular is going to bounce back in a big way this year, and and so I'm interested to see if that happens. And I think that as eDiscovery goes, so goes a lot of other legal technology uh, issues. Hopefully, we'll get back to some version of normal, but maybe not without the same fervor as we had before. You know, my favorite science fiction writer and also a great Twitterer, William Gibson, um, I, I love his quote, uh, which a lot of people use, which is, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. And so I, I think that's what we'll see in 2010. There, there are sort of different pace of, of people adopting that. And, and we may say if there's a recovery, it may be that the recovery is here, but, that, but not evenly distributed as well. So I, I don't know that maybe in the past you could be sort of more monolithic about what you saw happening in, in legal technology, but I'm, I'm not so sure this year. You know, Tom, I, I 
did a, a couple of talks this fall on legal technology trends looking at 2010. And I, I had three big themes that I used. And we can use that to springboard into, into a more specific discussion. But I said there's going to be a back to basics movement in technology um, that collaboration tools, not surprisingly, are going to be even more important. And also, the the other big trend, I think, is the rise of new platforms. So the back to basics notion really is an economic uh, notion. So um, what are some of the things, I mean, you talked about e-discovery maybe making a comeback, but probably in a... In a but at the same time, people are looking to cut the cost of e-discovery. How do you see technology maybe playing a role in cost-cutting in e-discovery? Well, I mean, the, the, the big spend right now, interestingly enough, in terms of uh, e-discovery or what is considered to be the big spend is review. Attorney review of documents is traditionally what costs corporations the most. Now, this can be a number of reasons, not all of which are based in technology. A lot of them have to do with the lawyers themselves. And so, what, uh, what the e-discovery industry is doing is they're coming up with new and unique ways to present their review platforms so that lawyers are able to review faster, are able to get to privilege, get to relevance, uh, get to the documents that are important much faster, and cull those down to a manageable set faster than they were able to uh, to do that. But it, that's only a part of the process. I think that uh, that what companies are finding is, is that if they are able to reduce the number of relevant documents that they send to their lawyers in the first place, then they're going to save that money uh, in in a, in a completely different way, but but with the same result. And so we're seeing a lot of tools, search tools, archiving tools that make it very easy, or, or at least easier anyway, for companies to be able to filter out uh, the data populations that they believe are relevant for their specific e-discovery request and put it into what is a more manageable set that will lead to a lot of lead to much shorter. Shorter review times and hopefully less dollars for the corporations. Yeah, you know, Tom, it's, as I listen to you talk about electronic discovery, sort of my most radical prediction that I that I make is that uh, we're in the early stages of what I think will be a, a push and probably successfully uh, by uh, you know technology vendors, electronic discovery vendors, definitely clients. Um, that will result um, at the end, I think, in large chunks of what is now uh, the e-discovery uh, work that's done by law firms no longer being done by law firms. And I think that uh, sort of some of the things I see uh, in e-discovery will – We'll continue that trend. I mean, it's not going to happen this year. It may not happen in five years. But but I think that given the tool set, uh, given what people have to know, and then then also I think you're this great illustration of the need to have these hybrid people who both know technology and I think more importantly know the legal side. So I think originally in e-discovery, you're seeing uh, IT people being kind of converted into e-discovery people or paralegals, uh, you know, being... Uh, given technology tasks, now I, I think you see lawyers uh, with real technology skills moving into technology into e-discovery, and I think that's going to be a, a big trend through this year. You know, one other area that I think is going to get impacted in terms of electronic discovery is the cloud, or, or one area that e-discovery has not traditionally been associated with is moving into the cloud. Uh, 
traditionally, uh, only Fortune 500 companies, big companies, have been able to utilize online repositories where their outside counsel, their in-house counsel, their vendors can take advantage uh, and be able to review documents and see them all. But, but the technology has gotten so efficient and so relatively inexpensive that um, we're looking at you know law firms and small to mid-sized companies being able to use the cloud for their e-discovery needs. And, and there have been, I think in the past year, we've really seen lots of concerns about security and stability. Will the cloud hold up? What happens if my data goes down? I think really in 2010, you're going to see more and increased confidence in these services uh, continue to increase. And I think that the services are going to improve. What do you think about cloud computing in general and maybe as it affects e-discovery and practice management software too? Well, I'm happy to get off the subject of electronic discovery. And I think cloud is is a good stepping point uh, to do that. And probably the most important aspect, I think, of cloud computing from my point of view is it helps uh, lawyers and law firms break down technology into component parts and then to get diversification in the approach that you take. So a lot of times I hear about people doing cloud computing, which, uh, you know, just to kind of give a quick definition is is using the internet as an application platform software as a service is another term you use you hear used for the the cloud um, so we don't have we're not having our applications and our data uh, so much stored locally as being out on on the internet and so what I think is that by breaking things into component parts seeing what makes sense um, to do yourself and what makes sense to outsource, um, you know, in a variety of ways, let alone to, to have it hosted on the internet is going to be a really important thing. And I think as, you know, in a year of uncertainty where you want to have that diversification, you want to balance risk and reward, you can say, hey, for some things, cloud makes sense. For other things, it doesn't. For some things, it makes sense to ramp up with the infrastructure and the people. And for other things, it doesn't. For some things, security is ultra important. For other things we do, though, maybe security is a little bit less important. And so I think it it helps lawyers, uh, considering technology, think in a different way uh, that goes back to a more business-oriented uh, and business-aligned uh, approach to technology. You know, I, I tend to agree with that, although I think that what makes that a little bit difficult for lawyers is the fact that a lot of the technologies that they use are bundled and they are, you know, if, if they could have it their way, they would be able to access everything from one place. That's why practice management or case management software tends to do it all. It has the calendar, it has the contacts, it has the billing built into it. And so it becomes harder for them to say, you know, I, I would love to do my billing in the cloud, but I'd rather just do my practice management on my own computers. If those two systems don't talk to each other or integrate, then that's that they, they've lost already and they're just going to turn away from the cloud. So I think that the practice management tools that I've looked at are making a very strong argument uh, to move to the cloud this year. And I'm really interested to see how many lawyers start to adopt those services uh, compared to this year. I think I think we'll see more folks going to that. Tom, the thought process you described, though, I think leads us, um, it leads me to think immediately to 
to the mobile platform because we were saying, oh, I'd like to be able to do these things. And and then it's a small step to say, I would like to be able to do them uh, anytime from anywhere. And the way I, and I'd like to do that without lugging around uh, a laptop or having to come into my office. And you start to say, here's the smartphone, here's the mobile platform. And now I don't have to worry about synchronization um, I can have real-time access to do things. And and I think that's just such a huge driver of the mobile platform. And and so for some of the things that, the, some of the reasons that you said, this is how lawyers think. I want to have access to certain things all the time. And the best way to do that may be the, the smartphone uh, platform. No, I, I, I agree with that. I, I think that, and that's one of our other tr- big trends of t- 2010, is that mobile technologies will sort of continue on their meteoric rise to popularity. I think we're going to see more and more lawyers getting things done by using uh, their smartphone or whatever it happens to be. It, it may very well be that Apple finally delivers on its tablet uh, during 2010 that they originally said wasn't coming out, and now they say something that didn't exist is being delayed. So, uh, not sure what's going to happen with that, but I'm, I'm very excited about uh, the new platforms that are out. The Android platform finally, I think, has exploded and really taken off as a worthy competitor to Apple and to, to some of the others. It'll be interesting to see where BlackBerry comes down in, in all of this because they're, they still contain, I think, the bigger piece of the business market, but their tools and applications just aren't as friendly as some of the others that I've seen on on specific mobile devices. Uh, where I think, though, that we're, we're headed with this kind of goes to what I think is the next trend, major trend of 2010. Lawyers want to be able to do it where, do it all wherever they're in their office or where they're mobile. And what they're increasingly wanting to do is to get real-time results. A lot of these mobile technologies allow them to get information in real time. And both Dennis and I really think that real-time technology is going to take off uh, to a big extent in 2010, the ability to to search and find things that literally have happened within the last minute or two uh, somewhere on the internet is, you know, some lawyers will say, I don't get it. I don't know why anybody would need it. I can wait for an hour. I can wait for a couple of hours to get it. But the ability to find out immediately what's going on does hold appeal for a lot of people. And, and I know that Google this past year uh, or this past week began indexing both Twitter and Facebook up so you should be getting uh, Twitter uh, results uh, in, in your search uh, query. So it's only a matter of time. It's just I think more and more companies are going to start uh, adopting and offering real-time services as part of their regular features. Well, that's the consumer side of, of uh, Twitter, especially in social media. I, I'm always surprised. Well, not surprised. I mean, Twitter is a big deal these days. But people say you got to be on Twitter. You, you want to do this stuff on Twitter. And people just don't get it or it just doesn't make sense for them. But it's always people focus on that producer side of Twitter or, you know, that you're writing something, that you're updating, all this stuff. And I don't think that for most people, probably the vast majority of people, that's the real benefit. I think it's the consumer side where you say, I'm using Twitter search. I'm seeing what's happening. This this whole real time is is a huge thing. Um you know, to to step on to the to the next friend now we've we've mentioned Twitter, um, is that there's a couple things I'm really interested in terms of stats that that I, I may try to track down. One is to see how many law firms and lawyers have iPhone apps at 
on January 1st, as opposed to have them on December 31st of 2010. And then I'd also like to see, you know, using uh, the Lex blog stats or, or the other stats out there to see how many lawyers are on Twitter, you know, at the beginning of the year, as opposed to, to the end of the year, to to get a sense of what's really happening in, in social media. I mean, Tom, I, I think you've, in the notes, you refer to the trend as the maturation of social networking. And I think that's really true. I mean, you and I have been on Twitter for almost three years. And I st if somebody asks me what I think of Twitter, I say, it's still a big experiment to me. I really don't know uh, how it works for me, uh, in what ways it works, or what I'm actually going to do with it. Although, um, you know, objectively, I'm, I'm a, a, a really strong user of Twitter and probably use it fairly well. Um, when you talked about maturation of social networking, time. What did you have in mind? You know what I really meant by that, and, and you're close to what I was talking about, was the fact that, uh, you know, we talked in our last episode about how lawyers lag a number of years or, or, or decades sometimes in catching up with new technologies or new ways of doing things. And social media is one of those areas. I think that, that although you and I have been on Twitter for three years, and I've been on Facebook for a couple of years, and LinkedIn for probably more than that, most lawyers haven't. Most lawyers are just this year year learning, and when I say this year, I mean 2009, they're just learning about what social media really is and how it can benefit them in their practice. And so, when I say that it's going to mature, I think that maybe lawyers' use of social networking will mature. I think that hopefully, my hope anyway, is that lawyers will become comfortable using social media, will find what works to them, what works for them, whether that's Twitter, whether it's blogging, using LinkedIn or Martindale Hubble Connected or any type of, of, of device on the internet that allows them to connect with other people. I, I don't see, I, I'm, I'm hoping that there are some new and interesting um, types of uh, social media tools that come out in the next year, but I'd personally like to see the lawyers get to learn the ones that exist right now and really use them to their advantage. We've got a lot of what I would still call early adopters and some latecomers are now coming into it. I just think that we need to uh, to, to, to bring it out and, and get people comfortable and using it as part of their marketing efforts in their practice. Yeah, just two thoughts on social networking. One, with 350 million people uh, on Facebook, or probably more accurately, 350 million of uh, of accounts on Facebook. It's hard to tell how many of those people are, are actively using it, but that's a huge, huge audience for people. And the other thing that surprised me, I'd say in the last two months of 2009, was I, if you ask me sort of privately what I thought was going to happen with social media, I would have said that the bar disciplinary uh, organizations would have really clamp, put the clamps on social media, use of social media by lawyers. And in the last, and there's some hints of that coming, don't get me wrong, but I think in the last uh, month or two, there have actually been some positive signs about having a, a kind of realistic attitude about lawyers using social media. No, I think that's right, and and because of time, we don't have um, we don't have time to cover any more of our trends for 2010. Dennis, why don't you take us out with a few thoughts? Well, when you, when you look at trends, um, even somebody who's done it sort of on an annual basis as long as I have, I just say there's no guarantees of of what to expect out there, especially in 2010. I, again, the economy is such an unknown, but I think you always need to monitor trends, and probably most important to to 
pick some of them to act on. So uh, my my best advice for 2010 is this is really a year that you want to put together a strategic technology plan based on what you're seeing out there. And, um, and I'll say it again, and having a good, hard-headed business uh, approach to taking on those trends with technology. Very good. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, Bill for Time. Bill for Time tracks, organizes, and invoices your billable time. Time is money, and this legal billing software helps you keep track of both. All you need is a computer and internet connection. Manage your billable time on your phone, too. Great personal customer support and tutorials quickly get you on your way. Go to BillForTime.com slash LegalTalkNetwork and get a 30-day free trial of any level of Bill for Time subscriptions. That's Bill, four as the number, time.com slash LegalTalkNetwork. Are you interested in sponsoring programs on the Legal Talk Network? We'd love to have you on board. Contact our sales department today at 781-551-9960. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mall Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Tom, what do you say we make a few predictions about technology for the coming year? Well, I have to say that I hate making predictions, or maybe I should say I'm no good at making predictions. And so given the time that we've got in today's podcast, I suggest that we each make two predictions each and see where we go. I I tend to be safe with my predictions, so I'll start out with my first one. My first prediction uh, deals with e-discovery. And I I think that we talked about this a little bit in the podcast uh, back in the end of 2009, where we talk about uh, companies becoming more sophisticated about finding e-discovery experts. And, and vendors are already doing this, and lawyers are working for vendors who have experience in both the law and technology. But I think that what you're going to find a lot more of in 2010 are companies hiring e-discovery counsel or discovery managers that have legal experience. Because being able to speak the language, both legal and IT, is a huge benefit in being able to navigate e-discovery and the obligations that companies are going to have in specific lawsuits. Dennis, your prediction. Well, I'm going to go to the client of uh, client-driven approach, and and I think I think you're going to see technology looked at in that context. And for me, the the big example will be um, this this slowly growing trend toward alternative billing and away from hourly billing and the technologies that you need to support that. And there's two things that really leap to mind. Um, and this is sort of my notion of back to the future is document assembly, something that's been around for a long time that really makes sense when you're doing value billing, not not hourly billing. And then also the, the sort of business uh, software, sort of back office software that helps you analyze how you staff, how you charge, um, um, how you can be more efficient in what you do to to use technology to prepare those alternative types of, of billing proposals. I, I think that's going to be a big one this year. My next prediction is, uh, again, a safe one, uh, and it has to do with social media, and it really kind of follows up on what we were talking about earlier. 
I think that 2010 is the year that lawyers become comfortable uh, and take charge of social media and really start using it in a productive way and not just in an experimental way. I think that uh, the bar associations and their ethics council and their advertising review boards will begin to take a more serious look, uh, as they always do, lagging behind lawyers uh, and technology a, a couple of years. They will start taking a more serious look at the use of social media. There will probably be a couple of decisions that come out of a couple of states that are controversial that uh, ultimately die down. But I think that the reaction and the response from most bar associations to social media will be, take a reasonable approach, be reasonable, and we're not going to regulate you as much as you think we ought to. And I have a one sentence, quick one sentence one for you. And that is that many lawyers will find that the actual results they get from social media will be disappointing as compared to what they expected or maybe felt they were promised. I did want to say I think that 2010 will also, I predict, even more rumors of an Apple tablet without us actually seeing one. Uh, I don't know about that. More layoffs, more outsourcing. I'll go with that one, too. Dennis, let's I move think it's on. Time for, yeah, I think it's time for our parting <laughs> shots. That one tip, website, or observation that you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. My uh, my tip uh, for this week is a, a new tool that LogMeIn has debuted. LogMeIn is my favorite remote access tool. Whenever I'm on the road and I need to access my computer at home, I use LogMeIn because it's free. And I'm able to compl- do anything uh, on my computer while I'm on the road that I could be doing while I'm in my office. They now have a new free tool called LogMeIn Express that makes screen sharing very simple. The person who's going to do the presenting has to download a very small uh, uh, download, and uh, anybody else you can introduce or invite, probably 100 people, I think it's up to 100 users, can be invited to view your screen. So you want to put on a presentation, you can do it with LogMeIn Express for up to 100 people, absolutely free. They can see your screen, you can run the presentation there. No cost to you. Dennis. And I have um, actually something that illustrates a lot of the trends that we've been talking about, and that's the new Dragon, or new at the time of the, the recording this, Dragon Speech Recognition iPhone app. And so this is a great uh, illustration of cloud computing because the actual processing that would typically be very computer intensive is happening up on servers of Dragon on the internet, um, not on your iPhone or on on a computer. And it's it's also a great illustration of how uh, you can get excited about technologies, but you, you still got to have the right platform. So I heard about this. I downloaded it immediately, went to uh, install it from iTunes, and it said uh, my, I, my iPod Touch couldn't take that application. And I had forgotten that I have a first-generation iPod Touch without a microphone, uh, which obviously a microphone is essential in a speech recognition application. But a colleague of mine had the classic iPhone app experience of using the iPhone, downloading the app, immediately dictating a sentence into it. It actually is a tricky one, uh, was a tricky one for a speech recognition product, and it got it exactly right on the first try. Um, And I I think that's a pretty amazing thing, and it's uh, the price we all like. It's free. So uh, the iPhone users and iPod Touch users with microphones, this is one I think you want to try. 
I've tried it on my iPhone, and while it wasn't 100% accurate, it was pretty darn close. And the best part is that after you're done with uh, dictation, a little button pops up and says, send to email uh, or send to text message. So you can immediately push it away. You don't have to copy and paste it. You can immediately push it to whatever uh, device uh, or method of communication you want to use. A great tool that I agree with his recommendation. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Links to the topics we discussed today, as well as how to follow us on our blogs or on Twitter, will be available on our show notes wiki, which is located at tkmreport.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at tkmreport. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Our crystal ball shows you listening to this podcast even more in 2010. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.